Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Kittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Just like that, we've reached week nine, Rick Tittle, of what you may ask. Yes, Golasso Supremo. Go! Supremo, 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 So much to get to this week. Oh, my gosh. So many other goal calls to mimic, but we must get straight to the content, Rick. Good. Dan Dibley and Rick Tittle here. Thank you for joining us again on Golasso Supremo. We will talk Champions League quarterfinal draw, round of 16 results, violence on the pitch, San Jose earthquakes wandering and wandering without Wando, by the way. Yeah, wandoing. And yes, uh, essentially we can get into that. And also, we will carve out some time for story time. Sure. But should we start with the positive of on-field excitement or the negative of on-field danger? Let's, let's start with this. Because if you look at the Champions League, three English teams playing three German teams. And after two legs... Tottenham beat Borussia Dortmund 4-0. Man City beat Schalke 10-2. And, of course, very exciting. Liverpool beating Bayern Munich 3-1. That's England 17, Germany 3, which has not happened since they firebombed Dresden. Wow. Yeah. I thought you might go there. <laughs> well, think about, oh, think about what, what did the British do to the Germans, which was a wipeout. So, yes, the former Saxony capital firebombed and Tiffany lamps fused. Yes, and we can take these individually or we can get historical, whichever you prefer. Well, let's go individually. Man City over Schalke is probably the least impressive in my opinion because Man City is a super team and Schalke suddenly in the Bundesliga now teetering near relegation. So pretty much uh, about as mismatch of a Champions League round of 16 as you could ask for. In in theory, you're right, but when you get to the last 16, there are no soft touches. This was a shocking result. Shocking that a team could ship seven goals like that and to quit like that. This just shows you how chock full of nuts Man City is with talent right now. Just run down the goals. Aguero, Aguero, Sané, Sterling, Silva, Foden got to eat, and Gabriel Jesus got one. Oh, by the way, in the 84th minute when everything was already decided, they, they can't help but score goals. No, and, and if listen, I don't give uh, – it's not like in the big leagues where you're not going to steal a bag up eight runs in the ninth. If there's a chance to score a goal, a guy's going to score a goal. Right, and in that case, they <laughs> scored, and then they scored again, and they scored again. Liverpool over Bayern, wow. probably the most impressive of all the results, especially considering all the effort and energy they're having to expend in the Prem to be able to – Pull this off in this fashion. Very impressive. Well, and you just, it's funny. The Bayern coach was so conciliatory after the match saying we didn't deserve to win. To me, to hold Bayern Munich to what one shot on goal, 
in 90 minutes. One shot on goal. The only way they scored was through an own goal. But I just think about Sané because when he came to Southampton and we all remember You mean him, Mane? Sadio Mane? Mane, sorry. Mane. Sané, Mane. Did you say Sané? I was in my head. Mané. Right. I did say Sané, <laughs> Sané yes. before, Sané, but this is Mane, Sadio Mane. The, Sané, Mane. The pride of my fantasy uh, Premier League team, by the way. The pride of Senegal, yes. Um, the man who is sane. He, except for his hair, which is insane. But when he came to Southampton and he scored the fastest hat trick in Premier League history, I think six minutes, and then when Liverpool bought him, at the time, the most expensive African footballer ever, and they're thinking, wow, it's a lot of money to pay for that guy. He came through. But you think about the world record-breaking fee for a defender in Virgil van Dijk, who not only defends but came in strong, with that header, he was actually defended pretty well. He just rose above everybody. He's taller. He's a beast, is what he is. He's a beast. He is, you could argue, the best defender in the world right now. And for me, that's it's it's one thing to score a couple of goals late to make it three one. It was still in doubt there for a while. And I was rooting for Bayern Munich. I'm not gonna, you know, I didn't cry about it, but I was pulling for FC Bayern. Of course, you were. Yeah, that was my kind of my first team. I went to see their stadium being built in 1971, which they used for the Olympics, and I got a little FC Bayern. ID bracelet. Remember those things we used to wear, yeah. Dan, back in the day? Crazy. You can still get them at Things Forgotten at the mall if you want. You Look know. at you, right next to the Orange Julius, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I think it's called Things Remember. <laughs> you never know. Uh, yeah, but um, it's uh, to me, to hold that team to one shot on goal in 90 minutes is just scary for everyone. Also scary yeah. is Cristiano Ronaldo motivated in white and black, and you can just ask Atletico Madrid just how motivated and how ferociously he played Juve 3 at Letty 0, or should I say it accurately, Cristiano 3 at Letty 0. I like the way you say Cristiano Ronaldo because a couple people were asking me about Ronaldo, and, and to me, I'm not kidding, I think of Ronaldo when I hear Ronaldo. I do too. Yeah, not Cristiano Ronaldo. And you're right. I mean, listen, this is why... It's like Coke and New Coke. <laughs> when you, you remember when they had yes. New Coke and Coca-Cola Classic? You had to tell people you were drinking New Coke, but... I was a Coca-Cola classic guy myself. Well, remember they actually, it was they hired Bill Cosby, of all people, to put, push New Coke. And then wow. they, they had these auctions for like the warehouses that still had the old Coke. And they were going for thousands and thousands I of dollars. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like, I have to have it. And they go, okay, we'll bring it back. That'd be like me buying a PSL to the Raiders and the guy next to me walked up and bought a ticket. I have my thousand dollar can of old Coke and he has the old Coke that they <laughs> brought back a month later for right. 50 cents. Yeah. Uh, but I digress. Um, Cristiano, yeah. Cristiano, Cristiano. It, he's he's the guy. He's one of the best all time. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not surprised. Would you put him among the, the top five all time? And as far as true number nines, and I was thinking about this earlier on my walk back here from getting a sandwich uh, down mm -hmm. there at Miss Tomato on Market. Shout nice. out Miss Tomato. Yes. Nice array of veggie sandwiches, mm -hmm. as I don't eat meat. Mm -hmm. I digress, as we like to say here. Mm -hmm. It's the ninth podcast we've done. So yeah. number nine. Who are the greatest number nines of all time? And does Cristiano Ronaldo qualify in that group? Well, this is the thing. See, to me, Cristiano Ronaldo is, if you're talking about soccer history, he's not a number nine. A number nine is the tallest oaf you have on your team that you hit crosses into. And number nine basically means that a, a guy who's doesn't not very good with the ball at his feet, but he is a little bit of a fox in the box. This is a guy who made his life as a winger before they kind of put him forward. But as for a guy who wears number nine, 
then yeah. I mean, it was not that long ago that you played the number of your position. When I was going to soccer games in England, they didn't have this whole United States squad numbers. That's what they called it. Because they would have to do it in the World Cup, 1 through 23. And you had to keep your number the whole tournament, which was weird for them. Yeah. So they said, so one would be the goalie, and then two, three, four, and five would be your defenders. Yes. And then on from there to the midfield, and then the 10 would be your best player. The 10 would be your best player, yes. This is why, and it still is, this is why Sané wears number 10 well played. For, for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, that's the way it used to be. And I remember it was a big deal that Stuart Pierce was wearing number three, but he was playing left back. Like England couldn't get over. What are you doing? You're, you're blowing my minds with this. So then they came out with squad numbers. We're going to keep the same numbers the whole year, which was a huge backlash. And then they finally gave in. We're going to put names on the back, which the first league in the history of the world to do that was the American Football League in 1960, putting names on the back, which everyone laughed at. Hey, Harris, what? <laughs> I know your name. So? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm getting off on huge tangents. No, I, that's what this is all about. It's <laughs> Golasso right. Supreme where we're talking soccer, essentially, yes. and I appreciate you giving a brief history of the number nine as it pertains to yes, the but, position. Yes, uh, position-wise. But, but Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the greatest of all time. He's in the top ten. Now, a lot of guys went before our time. I didn't see Ferenc Puskas. I didn't get to see Eusebio at his best. I didn't get to see uh, a lot of these guys who were before my time, a Eus Fontaine. But definitely, in, since I've been watching soccer, yeah, he's top 10 all the In the modern vintage. Sure. Before we get to the on-field violence, which I know uh, you have yeah. some strong thoughts about as far as you know, the changes that need to be made and just the reaction from around the globe, let's take a quick look ahead because the draw for the Champions League yes. is tomorrow. You've yeah. got eight good teams in it. You mentioned the four English premier teams, Tottenham, Man U, Man City, and Liverpool. You also have Barcelona, monster club that's gotten through. The aforementioned Juventus going through for Italy. Porto, inexplicably, thank you, VAR, gets in over Roma. And the Ajaxian stunner heard around the world, or at least around <laughs> Europe, mm -hmm. is in as well. What are the most compelling matchups? What do you think the best matchup would be? <laughs> Give me your thoughts on the upcoming quarterfinal draw. Well, what I don't want to see, and it's not going to happen, is I don't want to see English teams drawn against each other. That we see that already in the Premier League. So the worst case scenario would be two games with four English teams. And plus, as a Tottenham fan, I don't like our chances against the English teams in there. I just don't. Tottenham won a uh, UEFA Cup once against Wolves, believe it or not, wow. against another English team. So now, now, let me just stop you real quick and ask mm -hmm. for the audience. They don't separate them into four different pots automatically. It's just a blind draw, and you get who you get. At this point, yeah. It's a blind draw. Everybody's in the same pot. You're going to pull it out. Obviously, I mean, be careful what you wish for. I mean, Porto with Jose Mourinho won the Champions League. They're no slouch, but I would hope for a Porto. After that, I would probably hope for an Ajax. Then you're getting into the English names and the other big names there. What to you, I'll ask you, Dan Dibley, the most mouth-watering fixture that could happen? Well, for me, Man City, I think, is the team that could most challenge Barcelona mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So I would like to see Juventus and the superstar Cristiano Ronaldo go up against Man City. Manchester City is a side that has been vulnerable at times. They have so many electric pieces up and down the pitch. I would love to see, and I know that Juventus has more than just Cristiano Ronaldo, but the centerpiece of Cristiano against the unbelievably high-priced, balanced side of Man City. That, to me, would be super compelling. 
Another one that I thought about would be a true Manchester derby in the Champions League, especially mm-hmm. against the backdrop of Man City going for the league title. So how do you balance the Champions League and the rivalry of Man U with also trying to hold off Liverpool? So for Man City, those are probably my two preferred. I don't want to see Real Madrid and Barcelona. Let's keep those two Classico. On, yeah, separate sides. And let's get Ajax and Porto away from each other as well because I think they're the two weakest sides. Yeah, and that's the good thing. I mean, if... If you see the only good thing for me that could come out of a Man City Liverpool match, it would be that one of those teams would get eliminated. Right. To me, the juiciest one would be Juve Man U because you have Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo going back to Old Trafford. Oh, good. Yeah, and that would be, um, and of course the little wink in the World Cup and everything else he did. That would be, I think, one that would be uh, a good one. But uh, this is why the draw is going to be uh, it's going to be huge, Dan. In Tottenham, for me, can play anyone. And I agree with you. I would love to see the four English sides all separated. Right. And I, I guess they couldn't really make that a priority at this stage. But something about the way that these draws are randomly done, <laughs> that you can't help but think that at least three of them, or two of them, I guess, would be separate. At the most, you're going to have one English, English v. English. But I would bet you that the four of them all get separated out somehow, some way. I bet you Tottenham draws Man City. That's our luck. Oh, there it is. <laughs> is that schadenfreude when you... Uh... No, schadenfreude is when you enjoy. Uh, I'm just being... Uh... Deep down, I think you enjoy it. No, no, no. This, part is, of being, this uh... is being masochistic. It's part of being so spursy. Well, yes. I've, they've never won the league in my lifetime. Yeah, and they've never won uh, the European Cup in my lifetime, but they've they've won FA Cups and League Cups and Cup Winners Cups and UEFA Cups. And spoiler alert, they won't be winning the league this year. More on no. the Premier League coming up as we have uh, match day 31 ahead. Man City with a one-point lead on Liverpool. Spurs sit 13 back, but in a solid position for Champions League. So next time when we talk here on Golasso Supremo, Champions League draw will be out. We can break that down, mm-hmm. and we can talk more about the good part about the sport that you and I both love. But sadly, we must turn our attention here at Golasso Supremo, Dan Dibley and Rick Tittle, to what's being called the new age of hooliganism. In and about England and other parts of the world, three flashpoints with incidents of fans coming on the pitch, one resulting in a violent punch, another a push. What is going on with the world football, Rick? And what did you think of these multitude of incidents that happened with fans going on the field and in some cases, assaulting players. Well, I remember the first time I went to White Hart Lane was 1991, and it was a dream come true after all those years to finally go. And I went to see some other games, but you still had at that time, and this is before the Taylor Report, which made everything all st- all cedar. You still had terraces. You still had the concertina wire. You still had gates, metal gates. And that's because fans had pitch invasions. And they would run on the pitch, and they would sit crisscross applesauce, and they, the ref would abandon the game. Like, that would actually work. So they did everything they could to keep fans off the field. And then we had uh, more than one tragedy, Hillsborough and others. So then they said, we need to open it up like America. I remember in 94 when they came to Stanford, they said, how do you keep the fans off the pitch? And they said, we don't run on the pitch and outside of Morgana right. or you know, a streaker in the 70s. Oh, more innocent <clears throat> days. Morgana oh, in the yes. bottom of the sixth. Yes, the kiss. You know, it's funny. I was... Um, the George Best 30 for 30 when girls are like, can I just have a little kiss? And he's just giving girls kisses. This is before the jerk beasts and everything and else this is, came out. you know, mid-Richard Dawson family feud where it was, how yeah. you doing, Mabel? Come here. You know, let's bring it in before oh, I ask you the, right. the top oh hundred gosh. answers about. Man, that know. would be me three now. It's, I mean, so many things about the 70s, for a good reason, yeah. are no longer a part of society, but Morgana would be among them. Yeah, and the Pet Rock. 
But let's just start with the Jack Grealish situation because this is a guy who I got to know well last year because it was all but a fait accompli that he was signing for Tottenham. You know, they go out and get the young guys, the Deli Alleys of the world. We're going to get these young guys. And for whatever reason, Villa did the smart thing and didn't sell him. Um, and Villa's in the championship, right? Villa is one of the biggest clubs in, in, uh, in England, and they are in the second division. Yes, the championship, as it's called. Second flight. And he's their star boy and um, a Brummie fan at St. Andrews playing Birmingham City ran on the pitch and gave him a sucker punch in the jaw from behind, and he did what any of us would do. He went down just to see what on earth is going on. He got punched. If you slow it down, it's a swing, and the knuckles did connect on the back of the jaw. That one can hurt you. Scary. Yeah, and so the, the, I think the scariest part was he went off to some applause, like blowing kisses. That is scary. We had Chris Smalling get uh, pushed at the Emirates by a stupid Arsenal fan. Um, and then at Easter Road in, um, in Scotland, which is where Hibs play, Hibernian, they had two incidents. Um, it was four days ago. They were playing a cup match. These were both against the old firm. It was against Celtic. A glass bottle came flying out of the stands, almost hit a Celtic player in the head. And then James Tavener, who's the Rangers captain, some guy ran onto the field and uh, pushed him. And so the woman who's in charge there, Leanne Dempster, she came out with a scathing rebuke of all this. And she's just apologized beyond belief. And she doesn't know what we're going to do. And I thought, are we going to see a return of this type? It was Scott Sinclair, by the way, who almost got hit by a bottle for Celtic. But are we going to see a return of the concertina wire and uh, and this type of thing? And that's the chicken wire you're talking about, right? No, that's barbed wire with razors on them. Gotcha. Yeah. And so... It's funny because when you go to a – like when the first time I went to White Hart Lane, they have the sort of castle portcullis method where if you go to a castle, the opening is about as narrow as one or two men because if an army of a thousand is coming in, you're going to come yes. in two at a time so we can kill you easier. So I'll never forget literally turning sideways and I had to like inhale – I'm not super obese. You're a big guy, though. Yeah, I had to inhale, and I had to go sideways through this gate, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, what a fire hazard. But that's because they don't want people rushing the gates. And you are divided by chicken wire with the other fans and things. But I kind of thought we were in an age where this didn't happen anymore. Um, I love what the Amsterdam Arena did. It opened in 96. I almost went to the opening. I left Europe a week before. But they put in – I talked about this before – the 12-foot-deep cement moat. You can jump down in there if you want. I mean, unless you bring your siege ladders, yes. which you're not going to get in. But I think it's genius because the worst that's going to happen is you're going to break your leg and you're down there with other people with broken legs. You're not going to die unless you go do a header. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now what are you going to do? You can't get out. So there's You're no- going to live out your days in this concrete <laughs> moat because security's right. not going to rescue you. So I, I'd hate to see it go back to that. It's funny, at Wembley Stadium, the new Wembley, if you look at it, they have these things that are horizontal to the ground that are just wires where you can't step on them and you can't put your hands on them without cutting yourself. Right. It's a weird looking way, but they also have releasable gates now. Before, the gate was rigid and people, you know, horrifyingly got pushed through some of the wire uh, as we've seen in the past. So I, I don't know. I, this guy, by the way, and, and I'm not going to say his name. I don't even care on our podcast. I'm not going to say his name. The guy, the Brummy fan for Birmingham City, he, he had to pay 100 pounds. Basically 150 bucks. Yeah, he had to pay, well, 100 pounds directly to Jack Grealish. 
and he's banned for life from St. Andrews and 10 years from other stadia. Uh, in our highly litigious country and state, our golden state, 100 pounds for punching a guy? No. It's not much of a deterrent, Rick. <laughs> not at all. We can all come up with 100 bucks. I don't care what job it is. You know, it's That's like, a parking ticket in the city, basically. It is. It's 92 bucks. But if you think, if you're, if you're a jackass and you say, you know what, I hate Mike Trout. Go Oakland, and you run on the field, and you punch Mike Trout in the face for a hundred bucks. Hell, I'll do that. Somebody would say yes to that, without so, a doubt. Yeah, it's a stupid deterrent. You remember the incident with the Kansas City Royals, where the father uh, and son came on the scene. Yeah, they came on the field and, and beat up the base coach, whose name is Casey. Is Tom Camboa. That actually, that probably could be it. Yeah, and I just thought of that because I was thinking, why don't Americans do this more often? And forget NBA players who are bigger and tougher than just about every one of us, or for that matter, even football players who are padded up, and you're not going to run out there and try and take on Terrell Suggs and try to maybe punch him. (laughs) You're just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But our soccer players, is it because our soccer culture is more sophisticated? Is our security better? Why don't we have more of these acts of hooliganism in our MLS? Well, I also think it goes back to... I mean, every team has their group of, of ultras in Italy. The curve is sued. The South Curve is where they all uh, congregate. And, and we've had, especially in Italy and Spain over the years, a lot of uh, racist issues that they've tried to, you know, in England, they had the policy, let's kick racism into touch. In Germany, for many years, they wore a patch that said, meine Freunde ist Auslander, which means my friend is the foreigner. Then the other one I loved is they said kind of mocked him with Dame Drogan, which means don't make with the drugs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Literally, kind of mocked him with Dame Drogan. Uh, but they'd have those patches. and But you got to remember, like for us, you and I growing up, our seasons would change. Baseball, basketball, football. Right. Oh, and we have hockey. We have tennis. We have soccer. We have all the beach volleyball. We have all these things we can do. In these countries, it's basically your only sport, your only team sport, really, unless you're a rugger. And not only did you root for him and your dad root for him, but your grandfather. And now, if you're a kid today, your great-grandfather. And so you're so rooted in this that it can get a bit twisted. That's not an excuse. But I do think sometimes these guys get uh, all twisted up. But the other thing is, Dan, and you'll agree with me, if somebody ran onto a pitch and, and punched a guy the way security is in America, that guy would have gotten beaten to a living pulp by security who... A lot of these guys pray yeah. for that thing to happen. All he did was just get kind of pushed off the pitch. I just hope that we don't see a repeat of the grotesque, horrific incident we saw that took place uh, upon Monica Sellis. I actually was yeah. I was on a train that night to Amsterdam going to catch up with my friends. It was May 1st, 1993. I'll never forget it because we got into the main train station, uh, the central station in Amsterdam, right there at the foot of the Damrak, which goes right into the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the paper, and it was Queen's Day, the celebration of the Queen's birthday, the biggest holiday in Amsterdam. I missed it by a day. They had had the big celebration the day before. So the front page of the paper in Dutch was a giant picture of the celebration and, you know, half a million people in downtown Amsterdam and the parade and all that. But above it, you know that they sometimes have the second headline with a picture above, above the title of the newspaper – it was a picture of Monica Sellis holding her neck, and in Dutch, you know, Sellis stabbed in Hamburg, and I'll just never forget that as maybe, well, not the worst, but one of the worst incidences ever, or incidents of a fan coming onto a court or field and enacting violence upon an athlete. So that, 
seeing all this stuff from the English League and all the soccer violence, it makes me pause because in this day and age, it seems like we take out our violent actions on, on people all the time. That was 93, right? Yes, May 1st. Yeah, I remember that because it's funny you bring that up. I remember being on the field before a Giants game and Diane Dwyer, remember her? Channel 2. Channel 2 News. She uh, walked over to Matt Williams and I was standing off to the side. I was actually talking to the bench coach or the bullpen coach, Bob Brenly at the time. Wow. And Diane Dwyer went over to Matt Williams and she said, can you comment on this whole Monica Sellish thing? And are you worried someone will run onto the field and stab you? And he said, what do you want to know? She goes, will you comment on Monica Sellish being stabbed? He goes, oh, no, no, no way. No, I want to. I'm not saying anything about that. Weird. And she's like, come on. And he's like, no way. Weird. That was my memory of that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's just wild when you think about the athletes and how vulnerable, you know, the, the NBA thing, Russell Westbrook going back and forth with that fan. You know, mm-hmm. what's to keep that fan from, you know, brandishing a weapon? And, you know, it, sometimes I think we take a lot of this stuff for granted. So when incidents like this happen, it does make me pause just a little bit. Well, let me throw this at you. Instead of a story today, I want to ask, get into a discussion about this. When uh, Man United was playing Paris Saint-Germain, you had a couple of Frenchmen who were celebrating at the uh, Saint-Denis. You had Patrice Evra and you had Eric Cantona, and there was a lot of bad blood going along with a lot of people back and forth saying, how dare you celebrate on, on French soil like that? And they were pretty much said, screw you. Now, the thing to keep in mind, Eric Cantona is kind of crazy. You remember Legend. the flying dropkick in West Ham? Unbelievable. Yeah. Cut by Leeds, cut by Sheffield Wednesday, by the way. The closest comp to him <laughs> in American sport would be Draymond Green, I think. <laughs> Or maybe a, a Ron Artest. I was thinking Dennis Rodman, <laughs> but he was better than Dennis Rodman. He's probably yeah. better than Ron Artest. He was a very good player. I just for mean as, as a guy who goes into the crowd to beat people. No up. doubt, kid. Yeah. So, uh, and I was wondering. Now, Patrice Ever was the guy that in South Africa had the mutiny against France, and he would, you know, he was the French captain refusing to play. So there's, I, I take a little grain of salt with Patrice Ever. but and nowadays with social media, and there are no cowards on social media. Um, what did you think about the over-exuberant celebrations and then people having a problem with that? I had no problem with the celebration, but I thought it was, you know, maybe not the smartest move because you know that there's going to be bad blood after a loss of that nature that ends with a VAR stepping in and awarding a PK. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, Man U was the better team and they won 6-1 on aggregate. That feels like a, a theft if you're a PSG fan. You feel like it got stolen from you. So I understand that you have bad blood. And if you're Evra and you're Cantona, you got to be smarter than that because what do they always tell you? It's, it's country first, it's club second as far as loyalty to your team. You're gonna, if it comes down to a match between your country, like a European qualifier, or man, you taking on Burnley, you're going <laughs> to go play for your country. That's right. the way it's always been. So mm-hmm. it's country first, it's club second. Those guys know that. For them to celebrate like that, just a bad look. Now, as far as fans going off on them, take a breather, get a clue, realize the situation. These are Man U legends, and maybe it wasn't the best look, but you give a guy a pass for that. And they could have come back with the ooh-ah Cantona, he walks around in a girly bra. They could have come back with that. (laughs) Is that a famous? That was an old one. From Tottenham? No, that was an old one. That was in uh, the Full Monty, I think. Oh. Yeah, that was in some movie. 
Fantastic. I think I was a Sheffield uh, United fan that threw that one out there. It's pretty funny. But think about that. He was with Sheffield Wednesday, and they would only let him play on their indoor team. They used to have their reserves play indoor. And then he wins the league with Leeds. That was the Gordon Strachan team and John Lukic and all those guys. And then they're like, yeah, Man United, you take him. And then what did he do? Put the collar up. And he became a legend. Put the collar up and became <laughs> Draymond Green right. with the edge. In our day, if you put the collar up, you had to put on your topsiders and go yachting. Yeah. Mm. And your name was probably Blaine. <laughs> and you lived in Mill Valley. Without a doubt. It's Golasso <laughs> Supremo, Rick Tittle, Dan Dibley. Mm-hmm. Another five minutes or so here, Rick. I do want to get into a, a light slate yeah. of Premier League action. It's match day 31. Only five matches and really the only one of... Of some interest, Fulham hosting Liverpool. Any chance that Fulham can do Man City and the Citizens a solid here? Or is this one of those ones that Liverpool just chalks up with the second team? Well, as we've seen with our Warriors against Phoenix, subconsciously you switch off. This isn't going to be one of those cases. Even if Liverpool switches off, they have enough depth that they're not going to let that get away. That's not even going to be a draw. Everton hosting Chelsea. That's also on Sunday. And uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Burnley taking on Leicester. West Ham facing Huddersfield in a pretty light week in the Prem. I'll say go Terriers, even though they're already down. And by the way, I need to uh, do a mea culpa. Uh-oh. I had a uh, upset special. Remember I said Lyon would beat Barcelona. When Lyon got that second goal and it was 2-1 late... One more would have done the trick. And then in injury time, Barcelona went crazy. So yeah. I want to say that I was way off. And if you want bets, go to Joe Fortenbaugh, not Rick. Yeah, I appreciate that. Barcelona <laughs> with a 5-1 victory on aggregate. Leo mm-hmm. Messi with two. Coutinho still doing big things even mm-hmm. after he left Liverpool. Hard to believe that they let Coutinho walk to Spain and yet they got better? Well, it's funny because they'd always, they were saying for a while, we really miss Coutinho I, you know what's funny? I never thought Firmino was much, and Klopp believed in him and started playing him. It was just something about his look and his attitude, but he's actually done way better than I thought he And would. he turns it on, and I think he compliments Sadio Mane as mm-hmm. we lead the nation in Mane and Sané references yes. on this pod. And it, <laughs> you know, both of them have taken some pressure off of Robert Sala, who doesn't have to be as amazing as he was last year. He can just be darn good. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, for Barcelona, Gerard Piquet... Don't call it a comeback. He's still playing with a goal and throwing a little Usman Dembele in the 86th minute. That team's not one to sleep on, even though it hasn't really been you know, a high-profile year for Barcelona. Still married to Shakira. They have kids. My, Dem- Dembele my, or uh, Piquet? Piquet? Piquet, by the way, is a youngster. I started off with Manchester United. A lot of people forget that. But my favorite Piquet moment in his entire career he was playing for Spain one time. And, you know, there's the magic spray, the back team or whatever it is. It cures everything. <laughs> I'll never forget, and I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. The guy is spraying him, and then PK opens his mouth, and the guy goes, <laughs> right into his mouth. And he's like, ah! like in Spanish, like, what are you doing? Right. Que paso? Whatever he was saying. Uh, but it was one of my favorite moments ever. So I'm sure he played the rest of the game with a tongue he couldn't feel. It's kind of like when you go to the dentist and when you walk <laughs> out of there half hour later, you still have the uh, numb gum. Root canal yesterday. Still a little, yeah. Yeah, how you yeah. feeling? I'm okay. The worst part is used that to plastic bridge in there and you've got the... Uh, or the rubber over your yes, mouth. the rubber over the mouth. Oh, I know. That sounds like my prom. Okay. We should probably <laughs> leave it right there. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.